<laughs> well, now, now that the heresy patrol is officially here, <laughs> I, can, I can get started. All right. All right. We're going to start with prayer. So uh, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this day to, uh, to come together and study your word. We thank you that you are a good God who gives good gifts to his people. We thank you that you've given us your word to study, to teach us how to be uh, pleasing to you. We pray that as we hear your word, that you would open our hearts, give us hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone, give us ears to hear, that we would walk away from this uh, built up and assured of your great love for us and how we have reason to be grateful. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we've been going over this book, and hopefully this is recording because this is the first time I've ever used one of these mics. We've been going over this book, Practicing Thankfulness, uh, Cultivating a Grateful Heart in All Circumstances. And over the introductions, chapters 1 and 2, we've learned that thankfulness must have an object. So if thankfulness is kind of unattached to anything, then it's really meaningless. Uh, We've learned that it is right to be thankful because God is sovereign. And we've learned that gratitude properly focused on God is right and rational. So gratitude not focused on God is irrational. And all these things sound good, but what we want to know is how do we work that out in real life? What is, and this is conveniently the title of the chapter that we'll be looking at today, The Portrait of a Grateful Heart. So how does that look to us? When we look at a grateful heart, what do we want to see? And we're going to start with Romans 8, verse 7. And being good Presbyterians in this room, we all know what the scripture says. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So again, being good Presbyterians, we all know that scripture. And the chapter, this chapter begins by explaining how thankfulness can become part of our lives without really any real thought. How many of you in here, probably all of you, had a grandmother who bought you the most god-awful pair of socks, the most god-awful sweater in the world? And your mom, you were about you know, six or seven years old, and your mom would say, say thank you. Yeah. Say thank you to your grandmother. And you'd be like, Thank you. Okay. Uh, my grandmother would buy me tools. And I, for those of you who know me, know that I do not use tools. I've never used a tool in my life. will never use a tool in my life. And one time my grandmother bought me this little hammer that I could use to break the glass in case I fell in a body of water. And my parents made me say begrudgingly, Thank you, grandmother. So we all have that experience where thankfulness becomes just something that we do, slugging it out because it's required of us as human beings to be generous and kind to one another. And is this how your relationship with God is? When you thank him in your prayers, do you thank him just because you have to, because you're a Christian and it's a box that you're checking off, or is it heartfelt? And does your thankfulness drive you to live a life that is pleasing to God? And so 
what does this thankful heart look like? Now, before we get into that, really, I want to ask the question, can, can a non-believer from the outside, in other words, we don't know a person's heart, but can an unbeliever, if we look at them, can they live lives of supposed gratitude? I mean, how many times do you hear in the grocery store people saying thank you? How many big movie stars or movie stars or whatever do you, do you hear of living lives of supposed thankfulness? They're thankful for, you know, I'm thankful to my agent for giving me this role. I'm thankful to all my cast members for helping me be such a great actor, blah, 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 blah. So we have to concede that from the outside looking in, it would seem that even a non-believer can live a thankful life. But the question we have to ask is, is it really and truly thankfulness? Okay. And so there are three things that uh, are the portrait of a grateful heart. One, uh, Christ has to transform your heart. And that's the first, that's the first and most important part of a portrait of a grateful heart is that Christ has to transform your life. You have to be a Christian. And by a Christian, you have to hold to the faith once handed down to the saints. Not this ethereal, I am a Christian, I'm a spiritual Christian, da 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 da. When we say Christian, we're talking about a small o Orthodox Christian that believes in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and all that stuff. So, when I ask this question, I want you all to answer me because I know you're good Presbyterians and I know you know the answer. How does Christ transform our hearts? Holy Spirit. What? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit move? What is it attached to? The Word. The Word. Very good. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts by the preaching of the Word. So when Christ transforms our hearts, we recognize the sovereignty of God and our gratitude is focused on Him because we recognize that He is God and all things that we have come from God. So we are enabled to show true gratitude. Again, gratitude has to have a focus. If, it's, if it doesn't have a focus, it's meaningless. So gratitude has to have a focus. If you're not a Christian, that gratitude is improperly focused. So in order to show true gratitude, you have to have a heart transformed by the Holy Spirit and focused on Christ and God as being, not Christ and God, focused on God as being sovereign over all things. So this is why the unbeliever never shows true gratitude. So when they get to heaven and they say, well, God, I lived a pretty good life. I was always thankful, I was always happy, I always said thank you to people. Why aren't I in heaven? And Christ will say, and this is the one question that Christ will ask all people, this is, the, this is the separating, this is the question that separates the sheep from the goats. How do you reckon my son? That's it. How do you reckon my son? He'll point at Christ and he'll say, is that, is that, is my son the savior of your life? Okay. And if you say no, then all of your good works mean nothing. Okay. Because they're not in Christ. So again, if, you're, if someone's heart is not truly transformed by Christ, then their thankfulness is box checking because everyone loves the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
And so everyone says, I treat everyone well because I want to be treated well. So it's a selfish motivation. So that's why the motivation for good works apart from Christ is bunk, because it's, it comes all from a selfish motivation. For us to show true gratitude, our hearts have to be changed by the power of the Word as done in, in the preaching of the Word. And once that happens, then we can show true gratitude and our hearts can be truly transformed. Um, page 37 of the book, there's a quote. Um, a person's heart will not be fully and truly thankful unless God first does a work in the heart. So again, we're talking about gratitude focused on Christ. Focused solely in what Christ has done for me. Not thankfulness done to get anything from God. We don't want a box-checking thankfulness here. We want a thankfulness that, is, that stems from a heart changed by Christ, focused on His sovereignty, and that He is, in fact, uh, the Son of God and the source of all good things. So, so uh, the, the second part of this portrait is growth in gratitude. Now, this is an easy question. Should we ever stop being grateful? No. There should be no point at which we stop being grateful. Uh, let's see, that's an example. Okay. It's, uh, page 38 in the book says, it's like breathing. Breathing is one of the first things we earnestly desire for a newborn to do. But we never want it to stop. And in fact, as good parents, and Kelly being a nurse, you get very anxious when, people, when someone stops breathing. You know, you get very, very stressed out. It makes Kelly's job harder, I guess. So, uh, but breathing is one of the first things we honestly desire for a newborn to do, but we never want it to stop. We don't say, okay, now that you've breathed, let's move on to other things and leave breathing behind. Or think of how we commend babies for taking their first steps. Thank you. Well, think of how we commend babies for taking their first steps. Yet we don't expect them at that point to stop walking and move on to other signs of development. We expect them to keep on walking for the rest of their lives. So again, gratefulness is something that we should exercise all the time. We should never stop being grateful. Now, the, the, the more important question is, why? What is it about showing gratitude that is so that, that is so important? And I've talked a lot, so I'm going to make that an open question to y'all and get y'all's input before I continue. Because I'm kind of tired of talking and I want to take a sip of water. So, just Initial observations, why should, why should we never stop being grateful? W what is it about gratefulness that's so important that we have to do it all the time? God never stops being good. Good, that's right. Gratefulness is a result of love and praise. Do I know? Gratefulness is a result of love and praise. Mm -hmm. right. So gratefulness, we, we can say that if you're grateful, then it shows that you love God. So it's, it's so, so it's the fruit, okay? Anybody else? Okay, those are two very good answers. Two very good answers. And they're both true. Uh, we all know Galatians 5, 22, 23. It's the fruits of the Spirit. 
uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is my cheat sheet here. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, I want to read from Second Peter 5. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could turn there if you want to. Second Peter 5, 1 through 15. I'm oh, sorry. Second Peter 1, 5 through 15. Sorry. Don't think there is a Second Peter 5. Most everyone there? Okay. It says, for this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll, actually, I'll just stop there, because that says all I want to say. So, um, these two scriptures show us that there should be a growth in our Christian life. Now, for the more theologically astute among us, one of whom may be sitting in the front row, it could be said that, <laughs> it could be said that these things happen all at once, and it's not really... Uh, you know, it's that doesn't necessarily happen like you get filled up with love. Once you're filled up with love, you go to joy. It's not like that. It happens all at once in the Christian life. And that is true. But we're also called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. So if we're imperfect now, we're supposed to work toward being perfect in all of these, in all these attributes. So there is a growth that is expected within the Christian walk. You're supposed to, you know... Be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. Okay, so is it possible? And this is a question: Is it possible to grow in these areas? Is it possible to do what the Bible commands us to do if we're not thankful? And if not, why not? Doesn't seem to be. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, it does not be acknowledging the sovereignty of God in our life. Right. We would, if we weren't thanking Him, we would have to be saying, "Oh, well, all this growth I'm having is only because of me." Right. And I don't have any need to be thankful to Him because He's not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Psalm Psalm 104 says to tells us to enter into His gates with thanksgiving. So, if God is the source of all things. And proper gratitude puts him at the center. Then, if we ever stop being grateful, if you stop being grateful, can you enter into the courts of heaven? No, because according to Psalm one hundred four, we we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we enter the gates of thanksgiving in, in a sense becomes a key through which we enter into God's God's presence. And get from him what we are supposed to have. So, um, if you're not thankful, according to the scripture, we really can't grow, because as Josh said, you're not putting Christ at the, you're not putting Christ first. 
you're thinking, well, I did all that. So if you're not putting Christ first by thanking him for who he is, then you're not in the proper position to grow in all of these attributes that we're supposed to grow in. Okay? So that so that that is a that's a question that I myself and we all have to ask. When we come to church, do we come to church with grateful hearts, ready to receive, or do we come to church as a box we check off? So for example, I did my duty, I came to church, I checked the box. I'm good. Or do we come recognizing that every single good gift that we've gotten this week is from God? Every one of us here is here for one primary reason. That God reached down, that God had a plan before the foundation of the world to save a people for himself. And because of that love, we all sit here in church on Sunday morning in the United States of America, surrounded by all that we have, simply because God is good. Okay? That's it. That's the only reason we have it. And if we do not come in at least grateful for that aspect of our Christian walk, then we effectively bar ourselves from growing and we are not entering his gates with thanksgiving, as Psalm 104 says. So we effectively bar ourselves from receiving whatever God has for us. Now, let me be very clear that by the preaching of the word, God can overcome this. So as we enter into the presence of God, we can be uh, kind of mindful of the things of the week and not in the proper mindset. And when we hear the word, God changes it. And we immediately recognize, yes, Lord, I am thankful. So that when we leave, you know, God has restored us and, and we can be thankful. So it's not like we have to drum it up, you know, stoically. You know, God can walk that by, by the preaching of the word. But as Christians, we should be ever mindful of the greatest gift of all. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet will, yet will I trust him, you know. So if God takes everything away from me, I am still a Christian. I am still saved by the blood of Christ. I will persevere and I will reach heaven. And that should be the, the basis for gratitude so that when we come into his courts, we can be thankful. Because again, if we ever stop being thankful, then we effectively cut ourselves off from the blessings of God. Right? Because God doesn't want box checking. God wants a rich, robust thankfulness that bleeds out into your life. So, the third and final portrait of a thankful heart. So, again, we have only Christ can transform. I was just going to say, okay, thinking about it, but like we even need to you know, necessarily go back to the beginning of the Bible. Like, Jesus came to church because we come to church on Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. will draw us in. Right. And, and even in that, even in the ungratefulness, the repentance allows us to, to you know, have the word. Right. Changes. And then thankfulness is that state of remembering who God is and who we are. Right. Um, and so we need that, that, that gospel reminder so that, I mean, sometimes it might feel like the box is checked, but if that checked box makes us feel proud, right. it's different than the checked box that 
makes us cry out, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this, but I, I don't feel that. Right. Um, so it can, I'm just thinking as a parent, sometimes I make my children do things that they, you know. Right. I'm that grandma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, or that mom that's like, right. And sometimes that, it, like, I feel like that's, that's part of our teaching and training. Yeah. Not just with our children, but with me. Right. And I still have to do it, but I'm doing it in a way that I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm repenting right. as I do it. I'm remembering who he is and who I am. Yeah. And trusting that he will change me in it. Right. I don't go, well, I don't feel like it today, and it'll be just checking right. the box, so I'm not going to do it. Exactly. You know, I'm still walking in faith right. as I do it. Yes. remembering that state of being, that state of being that he's always there and not always there. Right, exactly, because we're not perfect, and, I don't, and you know we, we we can never be perfect, but we should always, as Christians, walk toward the ideal that Christ lays out for us. And so Kelly's absolutely right. I mean, you know, you know there are things that you just do because, okay, but you shouldn't stay there. You know, eventually you you trust that as you do this, God is going to be faithful, and He's going to say, you know, Lord. Like Kelly said, I know that I need to be better at this. And I'm doing this out of love for you because I love you and you've commanded me to do this and I'm doing this, but I really don't know. I really don't want to. You know? And so Kelly's absolutely right. You know, sometimes we have to just, out of our love for Christ, do things trusting that, that God will, will, you know, fill in the gaps later. Well, and realizing that even in that, I need the gospel. Yeah, to do that. Right. Feel humble. Right. When I feel thankful that um, that I still need the Lord and the good that we know that is. It's not a sometimes I do. Right. So, um, exactly. So we have um, Christ has to transform our hearts so that we can recognize the true sovereignty of God and be truly thankful. Two, we should be growing in gratitude because our growth in gratitude will mean that we also are also growing in in the fruits of the spirit and we're growing to be more like our savior because gratitude is how we enter into the enter into the gates, into his temple with thanksgiving. So the third portrait of a thing for heart is an attitude of humility and dependence coming from the Christian. And being a reformed Christian, everyone in this room, will often ask, why do you pray if God has everything preordained? And of course, the answer that we give as good Reformed Christians is because God commands us to pray. And God uses our prayers. Okay? So, huzzah. But, um, you know, but, and it, but, I, but I, I believe that prayer also, the reason we pray is because prayer puts us into the proper mindset. When we pray, we are recognizing that we can't do this. Whatever we're going through, we can't fix this. You know, this is too big for me. And when we pray, we are setting ourselves under God to receive whatever it is that he has for us because it is God who is ultimately in control. So, do we enter the throne room with boldness? Of course we do. God is our, God is our Father. You know, but we also enter with humility because he is God. He's our Father, yes, but he's also God. So, 
we approach him with humility and dependence that he will do his will. And a thankful heart is thankful because it knows it serves a big God who has a plan and is in charge. And we submit to that. So prayer puts us in that mindset that, you know, we're admitting that we can't do it. You know, we're weak, needy sheep, and we need our shepherd to help us. <laughs> we lay our petitions at our, at our feet, at his feet, trusting that he will give us his will, his will, and whatever he gives us is good. So, you know, Lord, I might not like what you laid out for me right now, but because you're good, this is good. You know, and it will work out for your purposes, which will ultimately be, you know, for your glory. So that is the third part of a grateful heart. Now, um, I want to give two examples of what kind of the proper view of gratitude and the improper view of gratitude. Because uh, I've often, this is something that I came to very early in my reform, uh, when I became reformed, in that, um, and I'm not sure if this is quite right, but the indicatives influence the imperatives or something like that. I'm asking, is that? Yes. Okay. So your Christian life should never flow out of obligation. It should flow out of gratitude for what Christ has done for you. And every time Christ gives us a law, something to do, it's always based out of what he has done first for us. When God created Adam and Eve, what did he do before he gave them the rule not to eat of the tree? What did he do? They had a whole garden. You know, you see all this? That's yours. You know what you're not supposed to do? If you're thankful for all of this, then don't eat of that. And of course, we ate of that. So we're all here today. Um, <laughs> so, um, but the, the uh, Ten Commandments, right before he goes into the Ten Commandments, he said, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. This is what I've done for you. This is what you do for me. Um, the, the entire structure of the epistles is, this is who you are. This is what Christ did. This then is how you should live. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. Christ bought you, purchased you, redeemed you, ransomed you. This then is how you should live. Okay? So, gratitude should drive us to live in a certain way. If we are thankful, truly thankful for what Christ has done for us, then it should drive us to live a certain way. The commands of God should never be laborious. They should never be, but they should be, yay. You know? I get to do this. I get to go to church. I get to read my Bible. I get to bring my children up in the, in the ways of the Lord. So, um, uh, with that in mind, I want to go over two stories real quick. Um, and I think we went a low on time, so I won't read these. But it's Matthew 18, 21 through 35, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we all know the story. This man comes to the king, owing possibly billions of dollars in debt, and says, I can't pay it. And the king says, I forgive you of the debt. And the guy says, yay, thank you. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't have to walk off this huge debt. So then he turns around, walks out, and he's not even out, not even out of the building. And he comes upon someone who owes him like $5. Yeah. 
or something like that, some piddly amount compared to what he's been forgiven. And the unforgiving servant looks at him and says, I'm going to throw you in jail until you pay every single penny of what you owe me. So he throws the guy in prison. The king hears of this, brings the unforgiving servant back and says, why don't you forgive this man after I have forgiven you so much? I forgave you this huge debt. Why can't you do this for me? So when the king forgave this huge debt, there was an expectation that he would go out and do likewise because he was thankful for what the king had done for him. Right? So that the, the unforgiving servant did not respond. He was not truly thankful for what the king had done for him because if he was truly thankful, he would have forgiven the man who had that small debt and said, you know what? It's okay. I've just been forgiven for billions of dollars. I can forgive you five. But he didn't do that. And because of that, because of that, he was cast out. He was cast in the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And um, the second one is Luke 17, 11 through 19. It's the ten lepers. I think Thomas used the scripture last Sunday. And we all know it. There were ten lepers at the gate. Jesus comes, heals all ten lepers. Leprosy being what it was in the New Testament, everyone said, yay, and new least on life. Nine of them ran away to probably live it up because they're not lepers anymore. And one of them came back and said, thank you. you know, and so he got it. God did this great thing for him, and out of gratefulness, he said, I want to go back, and I'm going to thank that. I'm going to thank my Savior for healing me. So there we have two different ways that biblical ways that we're dealing with gratitude. One is, you know, I forgave you, you didn't forgive others, so therefore you're not showing true gratitude. And I'm sure he was thankful when he was forgiven of the the huge debt. And the other one saying, um, the leper saying, thank you God for for saving me and for healing me of my leprosy. So to close up, John 14, 15 tells us that if we love God, we will keep his commandments. So if we say we love God, we must learn to be thankful in all things because God commands us to be. And thankfulness can never become box checking. It can never become become something that we do. It always has to flow out of a heart, recognizing that Christ is sovereign and he gives us good gifts. So our thankfulness can never be box-checking box checking like the world. But it can also never be a one-time thing where I was thankful I was thankful last Sunday, so I don't, I don't have to be thankful this Sunday. Or I was thankful two hours ago, so I'm good for another two hours until I can get my thankfulness shot. You know? It's not like that. Thankful, gratefulness cannot be a one-time deal. It has to be a con- in continual operation because as we saw, if gratitude is not in continual operation, then we can stifle our Christian growth because we're not entering his gates to, and seeing the one from whom all things flow. So when we come to church, we have to be thankful for what Christ has done and seek to live lives of gratitude. But we can only do this if we remain humble and dependent on God. We know that God is good and gives us good things and we humbly accept his will for us because he is in charge and he will win. And so... You know, if, if nothing else in your life right now, if nothing else, if your whole life right now is just in the pits, 
all right? Or if it ever is going to be in the pits at some point, all right? The one thing that should drive us all to gratefulness is this thing I said at the beginning, that before the foundation of the world, God laid out a plan to save his sinful, wretched, wayward children. He didn't have to. It doesn't complete him in any way to do that. But out of love, he did that. He chose us and saved us before the foundation of the world. Our salvation was purchased at Calvary. There's nothing else we need to do. The only thing God requires of us is to live lives of gratitude based on the fact that I've done everything you need to, I've done everything needed to secure your salvation. So we all need to remember that that when we walk into church and we you know we've had a bad week, we need to remember that I can only stand up today and enter these gates because God has given me the ability to do so. And he didn't have to do it. He doesn't have to give us the next breath we breathe. He doesn't have to give us the ability to walk out of this building. But the fact that we're all sitting here today is, the fact of the, is proof of the fact that God loves us. And that should drive us to be grateful and should, live us, and should drive us to live lives of gratefulness so that we can show the world what it's like to be truly thankful. So I think I have a few minutes. Are there any comments or questions? Well, I mean, yeah, well, he tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the reason his yoke is easy is because, you know, basically he's done everything that needs to be done. So we just have to rest. And you know what? Because a lot of times, like Thomas says, when you're doing your duty, you don't even know if it's going to get done. You know, but you do it knowing that, you know, hopefully if I do my part, everybody else, you know, We'll do their part and it'll be done. So you work out of fear that it's not going to get done. But, you know, as Christians, we say, no, we know it's going to get done. We know that we'll reach the end. If we're truly saved, we will reach the end. God will win. Death will be conquered. It will be done. God's just saying, you do your part and we'll get this done. You know, so yeah. Because it's already done. Yeah, because it's already done. You know, I mean... You know, I, you know, I've done that. You just worry about what I tell you to do. So, yeah, Thomas, you're exactly right. All right. 
Are there any other questions or comments? Okay. Well, Josh, you want to close us? Heavenly Father, we, we do long to enter your gates, and when we do it, we pray that we would be thankful people. Uh, we, above all people, should be thankful, uh, believing that you are indeed sovereign over all things, that you have decreed everything that will come to pass from the beginning, and what you have decreed will come to pass. And so as our sovereign Lord and Savior, what response should we have to that decree? But a thankful heart, knowing that the things that you command, um, you also give us the ability to obey. So help us to obey the command to be thankful, but help it to come from thankful hearts. And we pray that as we grow in our Christian lives, thankfulness would be easier and easier as we're reminded of who we are and who you are and what you've done for us and what better way to respond to your grace is thankfulness. So we pray you would help us in this endeavor. In Christ's name.